Amen, amen. Well, if you were here in the fall, you probably remember that we took several weeks and we talked about mission and vision. Mission and vision. And I had stated that uh, there's a lot of similarities between the two, really. There's a lot of overlap between the mission of the church and the vision of the church. But I said there's a distinction, though. And if you look closely at a church or a nonprofit organization or even a corporation, for that matter, you'll see that there are some, some uh, words put to the mission that are broad. They're, they're overarching. They're kind of uh, generalities in, in a sense about the mission of that institution. But then I said the, the nuance difference, really, when you look at vision, are the specifics. It's the, it's the finer tunings of the, the mission. It actually puts legs to that mission. Back to the church, we know that the mission of the church is what? To go and make disciples to all nations. And if you're here at this church or you're down the road at the Lutheran church or the Baptist church uh, up the road, you know that they primarily have the same mission. They want to advance the kingdom. We want to advance the kingdom and we want to make disciples and we want to see the whole world saved through Jesus Christ. But where it's different is the, the vision. We may have a vision that specifically deals with um, uh, this particular area of the city or uh, these particular areas of discipleship or we may have an expansion in a training center when it comes to, to worship and technology or Christian education. Or another church might have a, a specific outreach for uh, single moms or, or orphan children. So, I mean, you, you kind of get the, the gist that there can be differences. And God impregnates, really. He impregnates different bodies of Christ throughout a particular territory with certain specifics concerning the vision. And again, there can be overlap, but God says to the, the local body, he says, hey, focus on this. I've equipped you with saints that are really good in this. No, they're gifted actually in this, and here we go. So last uh, fall, we talked about mission of the church, and we talked about vision, and I, and I said, not only are we seeking God and talking about and preaching about fresh vision, but I challenged each and every one of you. I, I said, hey, what is God showing you? What's God speaking to you? Uh, Heather has been going through uh, in the past, in the fall and beyond, uh, about specific gifts that, that Christ gives to the body of Christ for the strengthening of the community, but also outreach and, and beyond. And, and so she was teaching on uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the body of Christ, and I was challenging us in this room, hey, what is God laying upon your heart? Have you detected what you're gifted in? Where's your part? Right in the body of Christ, and Paul so eloquently says that you know uh, the body of Christ is like the human body, right? That, that you know there's two legs and not three, right? There's two legs and a, and an elbow and an eye and, and an ear, ears and etc. And you know and how we all need each other, and that's so true today, right? That we have different gifts and different functions, but it but it's all for uh, the glory of God and the advancement of the kingdom, the the mission of the church. Well, today, I want to talk a little bit more specifically about the values embedded in the vision that I believe God has given us and given me for this church, for this immediate 
and maybe a little, maybe a little longer uh, season, depending. You know, when you, when you set out to make some changes, when you set out to do some things, when you start implementing those, those, those vision uh, ministries, sometimes it's not always as neat and as perfect it is in terms of the timeline. But here we go. We're going to go for it. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to be reading verses 42 to 47. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Now, many of you are familiar with this portion of Scripture. Jesus, right after the resurrection, he walks uh, sporadically with the disciples for about 40 days. He has these post-resurrection appearances and he speaks words of encouragement he reinforces their concerns he he actually deals with the doubting thomases in community right he shores up their their faith systems and everything that he had spent preaching and teaching the disciples and the in in the greater crowds uh, for that matter he shores that up and then he ascends right and he says before the ascension he says wait here wait here wait for the promise of the holy spirit and about 10 days later, right, the 120 are up and they're having a, a, a subsequent prayer meeting. How many of you like prayer, prayer meetings, huh? And here they are, waiting 10 days in the upper room, seeking and praying and waiting patiently. We used to call this in the church a long time ago, they were tarrying before the Lord. Remember that term? They were waiting upon the Lord. They were seeking God and waiting patiently for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And most of us know the story, right? With, with the sound of a mighty rushing wind, here comes the Holy Spirit. And it fills all who were in the upper room. And tongues of fire came upon them and they came out of the upper room. Let me camp there. Did they stay in the upper room when they were filled with the Holy Ghost? They went out to their community, right? They proclaimed and then the onlookers thought they were drunk. Because one person heard one language and another person heard another language. And they were given these supernatural abilities to speak these languages. And the languages were the languages of those who were onlooking. And they knew something was different. They knew that, oh my goodness, what are we experiencing? What are they saying? This guy is from this territory, but he's speaking this language that's from this other territory. How can this be? And then Paul, and then, I'm sorry, Peter has to step in and kind of bring in, you know, rein in what's going on. And he's talking about what is, uh, what, what these 120 are experiencing and what does it mean for all of them. And he comes through with one of his most powerful, if not the most powerful sermon. But then he talks about some specifics. On the heels of that tremendous birth, really, of the early church, he talks about what they valued early on in the beginning days to follow that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And here we go. Peter says, they devoted themselves, listen, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of, of all God's people. And the Lord, here we go, look at this, and the Lord 
added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let us pray again. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this portion of Scripture. God, this is so exciting. Pentecost is so exciting, Lord. And God, I pray as we look at this portion of Scripture, God, I know that you don't want to reproduce the the, the physicality or the structures of the early church. You want to reproduce the passion and the outpouring of the early church. And so, God, as we look at these things and the things that they did on the heels of this outpouring, God, I pray that we would, at New Beginnings and beyond, would make that a value, would make that a facet of what we do week in and week out in community here at New Beginnings. God, go before us. Go before me. Let my words be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are many values in here, and probably if you have pen to your Bible and you mark up your Bible, which I strongly encourage, you probably have these things underlined, like breaking of bread, prayer, the fellowship, uh, the signs, the wonders, and and, and these kinds of things. But I want to hone in on just three for today that are directly connected to the vision that I believe God is giving us for this church in this immediate future, this immediate season. So let's take a look at these. What are they? The first is found in verse 46. Look at this. Every day they continue to meet together. Point number one, value number one is they gathered. They got together. They hung out. They did life together. And you know, church, wherever you are in your Christian walk, however long you've been walking with the Lord, you understand that this is almost how humans are programmed. We love each other. We love to hang. Now, no, we don't love every person that we interact with. But by and large, we love to connect. We love to hang out. We love to watch shows about people hanging out. Now, I'm 53, but one of my favorite shows in high school was a show called Cheers, where everybody knows your name. I mean, why why are taverns, why are bars, why are gatherings where there's the elixir of life served up in plenty, why do they gather? Yeah, they might be catching a buzz, but they want to be in community. They want to be with one another. They want to be able to know that when they hit that door, someone shouts out their name and says, Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, Bill. Hey, Sue. Come on in. Everybody wants to be in some kind of community. That's a God wiring in all of us. And the body of Christ is the best place to hang out and to do life, right? Because we have this common denominator named Jesus Christ. And we can go, we can share and carry one another's burdens. Well, this next season, we are going to create more places to gather, to get together, to hang out, to do life together. You know, one of the things that uh, COVID really um, just hit us, broadsided uh, the entire nation, the entire world for that matter, were these things called lockdowns and being pulled apart and pulled away from our communities. We really are just now beginning the detrimental effects that it's had on society, our children, how much we need each other, how much that the human body actually, when you hug, there's something chemical that goes on. 
when you shake a hand and when you make eye contact, there's actually biological, physiological benefits to coming in proximity, to interaction, interacting with one another. That's the stuff of God in us. He's got his hand all over community, and he pulls us together. And we see that the early church, they gathered together, and they ate together. How many of y'all like food? <laughs> we love to eat together. We do. We love to gather. Um, the world gets this and has known this. I had just said, stated about the whole tavern phenomenon and, and you know, the show, my favorite show, and, and, and other shows like Friends, right? That was just a community living together, and people tuned in, and they, they could relate. Well, Kiki and I just experienced this. Um, yesterday, We her boss uh, gathered a bunch of people in her department, and we all headed up uh, to her house yesterday, and we just, there were tables propped up and food and beverages and and we just gathered and did life together and I was able to meet the people that she works with day in and day out and and people are there they're just not going in check you know punching like a a quote uh, you know check-in clock to make good with the boss people genuinely love to get together hey where are you from oh I'm from so-and-so oh you work there oh yeah such and I mean before you know it you're just sharing life together And there's just something that sits well with us. Well, likewise, we will, we will create space to gather. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 24 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Did you get it? He's warning. Now, many people believe that Paul is the author of Hebrews. I tend to believe that. So let's just say for the sake of uh, history, Paul is saying, hey, don't stop meeting together. Matter of fact, we need it even more because we encourage one another. Why? Because the day is approaching. Do you know we're a lot closer (laughs) than Paul was back then to Jesus returning? And you know what? I think the body of Christ is going to need each other more and more and more and more. Because have you noticed just in two years that there is this constriction going on all over this country, all over this world, about people who believe certain things and it's an offense? It's hate speech? The things that we hold near and dear to our lives are now, in some countries, illegal? There was a woman on a sidewalk praying in her mind and was arrested in the UK. Church, this is the beginning of the beginning where we are going to slowly lose our freedoms. Now, I pray every day, God, I pray that um, we have latitude, as much latitude as we need to get the gospel out, to gather and worship and do what we do as the body of Christ, the light, the city on the hill. But nothing shocks me anymore. No restriction, no law, no ideology that is espoused by a politician or a local law enforcement that surprises me anymore. We need each other. We need to bond with each other. We need to get to know each other. We need to understand the different giftings and the resources that one another have so we can prepare for, quote, the day of the Lord. He's coming back. And we need to be busy about his business. Well, what does this look like? I said, 
We're going to create more times and places where we can get together, where we can gather. That'll look like small groups. Now, if you're not into small groups, no problem. We can gather here, of course, Sundays and Wednesdays and, and other subsequent, like, large corporate meetings. But I want to create space. I want to create places, pockets of community all over this great county called small groups. We'll have a network. If you live in this particular area, in one church we attended, we used to call them geo groups because we encouraged people that lived close in those communities to go to that particular small group. But we'll create a small group network. And I'll touch base. We'll touch base. The, el the, the, the uh, elders will touch base with those particular small groups and we'll build and foster community. We'll gather together to encourage one another and study God's word and go over topics that are very appropriate. We'll also, and again, this list is not exhaustive by any stretch. I'm just going to only mention a few. As you walked in, you saw a couple of couches on your left. And then you saw a wall with a thermostat and a pitcher and a little table right where Lana was standing. There was a wall that was right behind her, and then it turned down, and you walked down a corridor, and there's a kitchen and a little fellowship area. We are going to structurally change that area to, to create a space where we can gather before service and after service. We'll set up a coffee bar there. We'll have donuts and bagels and something, a little something to keep your stomach from growling during service. But more importantly, we'll create a space, a larger space than the foyer that we have for gathering so we can meet one another, so we can reach out and, 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 and actually hear how their week has been and we don't feel so rushed and, 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 and all of that. Isn't that exciting? We're going we're gonna to create a space, uh, like a, a cafe. I mean, there's several different names. What, somebody texted me last week. They're like, Pastor, I got the perfect name for this area. We're going to call it Hebrews. <laughs> Isn't that cute? <laughs> Hebrews. And we, and we may offer one other type of coffee than Folgers. I don't know. We'll see what the budget looks like. I tend to be a little snobby about my coffee, but hey. I'll work within the parameters. But we're going to create a space. We're going to gather before service. Amen? Amen. Number two, look at verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily. Another value I see in this, guests. Those people that came in, those people that were added, those people that surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they had to land somewhere. Guess what? Wherever they landed, they were guests. We will be in tune to those people who visit us for the first time. We had one this morning. Hey, brother. My brother from the Midwest. Aaron. Everybody say hi, Aaron. He's a guest. I want to, and Kiki had mentioned it, we're going to have publication that we can we can uh, have a guest fill out so we can follow up, so we can connect, so we can gather with our guests. I mean, the body of Christ sometimes gets so confined in its four walls that we lose this, this passion of our Lord to reach out to those who are lost or who are looking for a community, who want to gather so, yeah, we're going to meet here and gather here and create space here and in different homes. But we're going to be very in tune to the guests that are coming in. 
And it's not going to just stop as, hey, a warm handshake and put something in their hand and, and tell them just a, a minute or two about our church. We're going to invite them over for that cup of coffee, of course. But I'm going to uh, mobilize a team of people that are going to reach out and make that call and follow up with, uh, hey, I'll meet you somewhere for lunch. Right now, I do most, most of that right now. I love it. I actually absolutely love meeting with new folks. And I've met with some of you guys you know, down the road, or ASELs, I, I should buy stock in ASELs, man. Um, but I do that, but I'm going to release that to many of you to make sure that the guests are welcome, and they have a way of asking questions and sharing their heart and their story. And our church and that person, whoever they're meeting with, can unpack and share the story of new beginnings and answer all questions. We're going to really, really pay attention to guests. Now, park the concept of guests and making them feel welcome and preparing our church to welcome guests. Park that just for a minute. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read something at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Listen up. This is the parable of the sheep and the goats. It's talking about the great judgment, the final judgment before Christ's return. He says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For, listen up, I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. Here it is. I was a stranger. I was a guest and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty or a guest, a stranger or in need of clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And here it is. Oh, Lord, make this a part of our life. He will reply, truly, I tell you, here it is. Whatever you did not, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do it for me. We don't know what guests are coming in. But Jesus is saying, this matters to me. The stranger matters to me. The person you cross paths with matters to me. And throughout this passage, it's sobering. This is, this is, this is the earmarkings of the difference between a sheep and a goat. Because the goats ignored the stranger. The, gourd, the, 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 the goat paid no attention to the guests. But the sheep did. And it means something to the Lord. We will be really in tune to those people that we're inviting in. Those people that come in and meet with us and worship with us and check us out. Now, again, I, I want to unpack this at a later uh, sermon to a much greater degree. But this will cost us a little something. When Kiki and I went to India back in 2000, um, I was told uh, this is the way they dress, this is what they eat, uh, this is how they do life. These are their social norms. Okay, got it. Then I read, um, I think we picked up a couple of guides, travel guides. One of them was called The Lonely Planet. Many of you guys are familiar with that publication. And it talked about what to expect when you get to India. We read and we had talked to a few uh, people from India uh, uh, prior to going, but the day came where we uh, headed out 
and we, uh, I think we took a couple of days to actually get there. We stopped in um, a country that's near and dear to my heart, Japan, and uh, then went to Singapore, the cleanest country in the world, only to land in the dirtiest country in the world. And I was in culture shock. I mean, I could barely function. I had heard that term for years, but really didn't fully understand what culture shock meant. But when we got off that plane and started to travel around the city of Chennai, that's where we flew in, I was taken back. Um, I stood out like a sore thumb. And we took a train north for about 12 hours to an area called Padapuram. And that's where I based uh, our ministry endeavors out of for about three weeks. But uh, about the third or fourth day, I knew I had to shed the clothes that I had brought with me and put on to don, really, Indian garb. So they bought me a couple of saris. And now they're super comfortable. They're super soft. But they're just, I wasn't really, you know, accustomed to them. There's just a lot of fabric there. And there's just a lot of moving and shaking and uh, just, but I wanted to do it. The reason why I wanted to do it is that there was something in me that said, I need to do whatever really is expected or make me effective to cross maybe a barrier or an obstacle to the people that I'm trying to reach and preach. And I didn't stop with the Indian garb. I mean, when we would go and we would sit as a guest in someone's hut or house, I mean, the things that they would put before me that they called dinner, I had to eat, and I had to smile, and nine out of ten times, I didn't know what I was eating, and my body didn't know what I was eating either, and I'm like, what is this? But I did it, and I'm not saying I did it always with the perfect heart or the perfect way or with a smile on my face, but I did it because I knew that it mattered to my effectiveness, to the message of Jesus Christ that they needed to hear. Now, when we talk about culture and missionary work and having a missionary, uh, a missional mindset in our community, we don't have to really necessarily completely change our, our, our garb into something that's completely foreign. But it may cost us a little something where we go to eat, exactly what we talk about, the, the verbiage that we use, you know, we have this Christianese, you know, in our culture that we, we oftentimes digress into. Well, brother, I'll be praying for a hedge of protection around that. Well, what's a hedge? I mean, you know, you know the guy we're talking to thinks it's, you know, it's greenage, uh, you know, around something. Right? We get caught up. What are you willing to give up to sacrifice to reach the stranger in your community or the person that God has put in your path to reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, on this note, again, not to give too many specifics, not to steal my thunder away, but as I had talked about tearing down that wall, what if we had a welcome center, just a booth? So when you walked in, instead of two couches, which is a good thing, I like to take a load off. They're very comfortable couches. One's going to end up in my office, I think. But we're going to create a little, little counter, and it's going to say welcome center or info center. And we're going we're gonna to man it with a couple of people that are really in the know. Those ones that give a really warm, you know, handshake and have a great smile and the love of Christ just oozes from them. I want an info booth. I don't want to stop there. I want to get their info. And like I said, we'll assign somebody to meet up with them. But what about a welcome class? What about just blessing them with a meal here at church? Like some Sunday after service where we just sit down, we camp, 
We answer their questions. We welcome them in. We hear their stories. And they can take a gift assessment or, 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 or something that we now can build a bridge between who they are and, and who we are. And, and we'll be able to probably pretty quickly tell if they need Jesus Christ or if they just need a church, a new church, or, or maybe they need something that we have that's in our wheelhouse, part of our vision, part of our gifting. Maybe they need to sign up for an Emmaus walk. But we'll create the, the booth and the welcome class and, and bless them maybe with a little gift as they visit. You know, many churches, and I love this. We did this at the last church I pastored. We give a little gift to all those who visited, just a little mug or a, or, or a tumbler of some kind that says, you know, who we are and, and how, to, how, to, how to get in touch with us. And put something in their hand to pay attention to that stranger, to pay attention to that guest. So we've got gather guest. The last is give. Don't you like my G's? Kiki said, last week, you, I was so proud of you. She's like, oh, all of your points started with R. I think that's great. So note to Brad, I wrote down, give. Look at verse 44. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit hits a community, it is transformed, and people generously give. Not only monetarily, but they give of themselves. They'll make those sacrifices that I just talked about. They'll be transformed from the inside out. Now, we know that, you know, studying early church history, that this was kind of their knee-jerk, blessed, though, knee-jerk reaction to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is not a good economic model, per se, and theologians will tell you. But it's the heart of God behind their attitude concerning their possessions. They're like, nothing's going to hold me back from my neighbor in need. Hey, they have a need, I'm going to provide it. If it costs me something, if it costs me time, talent, or, or the almighty dollar, I'm going to free it up. That's what the Holy Spirit does to people. They free up for the benefit of the community. Romans chapter 12. Um, this is quite a lengthy uh, passage, but I, I, I just couldn't trim it down really anywhere. So I'm going to read it in its entire, entirety, uh, verses 1 through 8. You don't have to turn. I'll just read it here. Romans 12, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, his outpouring, the stuff of God, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's a tall, that's a tall order of sacrifice. Verse 2, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and, and, and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now watch this, verse 3. For by the grace given, the, the, the God stuff, the God energy stuff, the strength, right? God is just not unwarranted merit or unwarranted favor. It is the strength of God. I preached on that a few weeks back. But for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each 
of us as one body, here we go, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance to your faith. If it is serving, whoo, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encouragement. Give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Do you see it? Do you see what happens when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we experience afresh the grace of God? Sky's the limit. We give. You all know what you're, what you're, what you're good at, what, you, what, you, what, you, what you're kind of on to with the whole gift thing, right? If you haven't, we'll have classes for that. But just for the sake of, of, of this point, you kind of get where you could fill in, in a church, in, in the body of Christ. He's saying, make it a sacrifice. So, you know, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to sacrifice it all, living sacrifices for God's glory. Well, what does that mean for us here? Well, I met last Friday with all the department heads, the worship leader, the children's leader, the, 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 the facilities leader, all the departments, all the ministries that we have. I shored things up. I kind of talked about, hey, this is the first of many meetings, and we're going to uh, talk about building your teams, building your ministries and expansion. And then I said this, because I know it's like, hey, my team is only me. <laughs> you know, what kind of team is that? You know, me and you know, myself. And, and then maybe there's another team with one or two or, may, or maybe three. I said, oh, look, we're a church right now of about 70 or 80, give or take. There's a lot of talent out there, and there's a lot of people that are interested in serving. Matter of fact, their heart's there. They want to. They've expressed interest in it. Well, let's do this. Let's plan a Serve Sunday. Let's get all the directors up and just talk about their ministries. Talk about the vision that God has given them for their little areas of purview or their big areas of purview. Let's have Serve Sunday. And then after, as you, as you're listening and God does this to you, hey, that's you. You can do that. You're gifted in that. And you, after service, go to a booth where that particular department head or that ministry head, that team lead, is there ready to sign you up and tell you when the meeting is, when the next organizational meeting is, when the next team meeting is. And here it goes. Give. Gather. Guest. Give. These are things we will value. We do already value to some degree, but we're going to expand it. Church, we are going to go places. We are going to grow. I envision within two years, we're going to two services. Right now, we can house, there's 225, I believe, green chairs in-house. We can legally have in from my buddy Kenny, who's over security. That's his team, and he's developing that team. He was voluntold. He said, Pastor, just add this to your agenda. Oh, yeah, add it. Add your name to it. <laughs> there it is. He said, he says, ah, after doing a quick cursory look online, we can have about 170, 180 in-house on any given Sunday. Well, you know what? We're, we, I envision just doubling the, the, the 10 o'clock service. 
So there we would have to immediately go to two services. And, and, and then, then we're talking about, you know, going out yonder because we're on about four areas of clean, cleared out. And then we're going all the way. What's behind me here, Jimmy? A creek? A, a, a river? I get in trouble every time I go, go here. But there's something that says that's where the property lies. But we have about 15, 14, 15 acres we're on, on, this, on this plot of land. There's room to grow. And I believe that God did not just initially give Pastor John that swath of land just for critters. No. Uh-uh. God has got big plans for us. We just have to walk through and do it with obedience, and step by step, by the grace of God. Now in closing, I want to look at one more um, passage of Scripture. Because when we gather, it's going to cost you something. When we have guests, when we host guests, when you invite guests, when I assign you to meet up with a guest, it's going to cost you something. When you give, when you sign up to serve, it's going to cost you something. I get it. Ministry can be very um, tiring at times. It can, it can really wreck our schedules. Um, we have to be prudent. We've got to be good stewards of our time, of course. But the bottom line is it does. It costs us something. But I want to stand on a promise of God. Jesus says at the early uh, onset of his ministry, in and around the time that he gave the Sermon on the Mount, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, let me read. He says this, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into, not your neighbor's lap, your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You can't outgive God. In every phone call, every dollar, every sign up, every prayer, He takes note. And this is a promise. The same measure you give out, He will give to you. And I like receiving from God. It's awesome. He's the best one to get things from because it is a good and perfect gift, right? The Word of God says every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I just want to create a place where I'm receiving. But this is an if-then statement. If you do these things, then you'll get the mercies and the gifts and the, and the blessings. So think about that. Pray about that. As we embark upon the changes, it's going to cost you something. As we offer sign-ups and ministries to be uh, participants of, pray about it. It's going to cost you something, but go there. Think about what God is going to do in response to that. This is God's word, not Brad's. And he is faithful. He cannot lie. He doesn't dangle a carrot in front of our face that he will not allow us to obtain. And it's a bushel of carrots. Shake it down, press together. We serve a good God, y'all. All y'all. God is good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for this word. And Lord, as we look uh, to the future, as we look to this next season with change and with opportunities to give and to serve, uh, Lord, I, I know that it's, it's, it's going to take a, a little time, a little patience. Um, 
it's going to take some prayer, but Lord, I, I just pray, God, that you would give each and every one of us the grace to exercise, to go forth, to step out in faith for that which you're nudging and guiding and pulling and, 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 and instructing us to do. And God, I pray that we would do it in obedience. Let us continue to walk down that path of righteousness and holiness and obedience for your kingdom, for your glory. I'm honored, Lord, to be in the presence of such great saints. Allow us to gather and build from one another, encourage one another, and go forth this week and beyond in faith. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.